Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The Gist is brought to you by Harry's, the new shaving company that offers German-engineered blades, well-designed handles, and shipping right to your door, all at a fraction of the price of other razors. Visit harrys.com for the $15 starter kit and get $5 off when you use the promo code THEGIST. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Thursday, December 18th, 2014. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Three big media endings today. Serial ended, or season one of Serial ended today. I am on the Slate Serial Spoiler Special that is up now. In it, I nurse doubt. Colbert, the Colbert Rapport is ending today. In response, The Gist will pick up the mantle of bear readiness. Listen for that next week on The Threat Down, on The Gist. We talk bears. But the one I'm most interested in, because it's unexpected and therefore newsy, is this headline. This interview is over. Hermit Kingdom hackers spook corporate backers. The Seth Rogen, James Franco, kill the dictator of North Korea flick won't even be released on video on demand. It will be to North American moviegoers what the American Revolution is to North Korean moviegoers or the North Korean populace, i.e. something that didn't ever happen. There are lots of issues here, but the one word I would use to describe the corporate reaction, cowardly. North Korea can threaten, that's what North Korea does in grandiose, bloated press releases. The proper response is something other than capitulation. I shouldn't joke about North Korea's role in this because caving in is really a serious misstep, but I should joke about North Korea's role in this because North Korea is a joke. On the day Sony announced its capitulation, the official website of the Democratic Republic of North Korea was filled with press releases praising the life of Kim Jong-il because the day Sony caved was also the third anniversary of the North Korean leader who died three years ago. But not just leader, apparently artist. Listen to this. Kim Jong-il, in his lifetime, had instilled into the people the truth that genuine patriotism is based on valuing and loving even a blade of grass and a tree of the country. His masterpieces, like the embrace of my motherland, and oh Korea, I will add glory to thee, are a clear manifestation of his ardent love for the country and people. These aren't his only works. Now, there was Song of Best Wishes. There was the children's poem, May a Second Become an Hour. Songs Azalea and My Mother reflect the noble thought of a peerlessly great man. He also wrote the most beautiful rivers and mountains. The most beautiful rivers and mountains spray like fountains. Give me shivers. I'm just guessing. The embrace of my motherland clarifies the idea that the motherland of the Korean people precisely means the leader and he is the embrace of the motherland. I don't know. I don't write these press releases. I just read them. His latest work, The Interview, ghostwritten by the glorious leader and starring James Franco and Phil Spector, will include the touching and unforgettable climax in which two sporting narrators share tales of Kim Jong-il's athletic prowess, including his many holes in one, and being both a stalwart goaltender and prolific scorer on the World Cup-winning North Korean soccer team. Ah, 
That was the part of the press release that let me understand what happened. The North Koreans were pissed that their names got taken off the script and they were screwed out of points on the back end. But now I am tired of talking about the Kims. How about some other puny potentates? Wait, no. That's not the OPP that makes it OPP week here on The Gist. We're talking about other people's podcasts. And in the spiel, I will include a litany of picks provided by the team. Yes, I have assembled an entire team, the team behind the Great Planet Money podcast. But first, he's too precious to survive. He's too special to thrive. Too Beautiful to Live is about one man's life. Luckily for us, the man is interesting, funny, open, and honest. He knows radio. He knows drops. He knows audio. He understands the power of community. He's Luke Burbank. Along with his co-host, Andrew Walsh, Luke Burbank has, for six years, been creating audio moments like this. Previously on Serial. I gave my wife a bowl full of Frankenberry, and she took one bite of Frankenberry, and she was, like, weak in the knees. What? Hello, my name is Boo. <laughs> Let me finish. Booberry. Is Booberry actually blueberry-flavored, or is it just called Booberry because it's a ghost? There are no female serial characters, like, at all, right? This is a Global Tell Link prepaid call from... It's Captain Crunch. An inmate at a Maryland correctional facility. Wait, Captain Crunch is in prison in Maryland? That does not sound good. Uh, this sounds good, though. A TBTL edition that we're calling Serial. That's right, an entire episode of our little imaginary radio show, which we like to say just might be too beautiful to live. An entire episode dedicated to the topic of Serial. My name is Luke Burbank. I am your host. Um, This is episode 1727. TBTL has so many inside jokes that its listeners call it inside to the power of inside. I hope this provides a little bit of an entry point. MSNBC's Chris Hayes says he likes to listen to TBTL because he likes dropping in on old friends. Friends he doesn't actually know, but friends he likes nonetheless. Hello, Luke. How are you? I'm good, although I'm devastated to hear Chris Hayes says he doesn't actually know me because he's, aside from you, probably my biggest celebrity friend. But I guess I'm just some, just another podcast he checks in with. I think he means he knows you, but I don't know if he knows Andrew. I don't know if he knows Jen. Ah. This is probably the most serious thing I've ever said to you in our, uh, I don't know, decade of knowing each other. You, to me, are a person who is extremely... At- maybe in touch with their emotions, but like really good at expressing emotions or expressing what the audience maybe wants to hear about your emotions. And but I don't mean just the, the podcast audience. I mean, you know, we're one-on-one. You'll say things like most guys I know that I hang out with wouldn't say, but it's always welcome. It's always inviting. It's what makes you a compelling figure. And I wonder where it came from. Is it because you come from this huge family? Is it because you were a 17-year-old dad? Is it because you're pretty good at strategizing what people want to hear? Like, where do you think that comes from? It's probably from my mom, mostly. My mom is such a character. I mean, I can't even really begin to try to describe her for people. You know, I'm one of seven kids, and my mom is just a real talker. I mean, I just, the other day on the show, I was playing this tape of my mom. My mom called in sick for my little brother at his grocery store job on Thanksgiving. He didn't want to, he had to work a shift. He didn't want to go. And then he actually got sick, funnily enough. And my mom called in the 
the call. And then she was so excited after she made the call. She was so relieved that she started singing this song, Done Deal, that she just made up on the spot. Let me play you a clip just shortly of my mom. Singing. The kitchen, I started yeah. singing, Done Deal, Done Deal, Done Deal, Done Deal, because I just pleased this punch over it. So my mom is singing this Done Deal song, and then my sister walks over and realizes the cell phone is still on. So she's singing this done deal song into the phone, essentially, with the grocery store manager still probably on the other line. <laughs> so that's that's like the first person I talked to in my life is that woman you just heard. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like that sort of open book thing, I think, comes really naturally to me. Um, there's also, I, I've probably evolved over time a little bit of a sense of, and maybe this is, by the way, uh, for me, too much of a crutch or something I go to too often, which is like, when in doubt... I pretty much just get as emotionally vulnerable as possible. If people are being really, really genuine about their emotions and if people are talking about how they're insecure about things, I always find that compelling. So in lieu of like competently edited interviews with like the guy who researched <laughs> Mingus's cat potty training, you know, in lieu of that, I'll just go oftentimes with I'm feeling really crummy today because I had this interaction with someone and I did this thing and that thing and I wish I would have done something different. So it's it's a thing that I that I can kind of almost it's a it's a constantly renewing resource in my life, right? Which is like weird feelings I have about things. And so I, I, I tend to reference that a lot. Sometimes like I said, maybe just because it's like, well at least this will be interesting, you know? So some of the things I praised about you was interesting, funny, open and honest. Tell me about the honesty. There of course are lines. What about relationships? What about breakups? What about other things you do or don't talk about? I think my policy is I will talk about anything at all that is embarrassing to only me. Mm -hmm. So shitting my pants as a kid at a baseball game. It's a story I've told many times on the show. Right. Almost shitting my pants while on the panel of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Another story that I've right. uh, told. But when Paula Poundstone shit your pants, right. har harmful to another. Yes. Now, if it's me, though, if it's just me talking about being insecure or me talking about a time when I, like, you know, was trying to rent a car and I got so mad because the place was packed with people like there, the reservation system was really messed up. And then I went and I got into an Uber car and I called what I thought was the 1-800 number and I, and I started telling them about how shitty this service was at this one location. And then I asked them if they could help me. And the guy said, well, I think I can. I was just talking to you. And I realized I was talking to the kid. In the location I had just been at, and he was just looking out the window at me sitting in this black car. When I do stuff like that, I'm comfortable talking about it on the show. If somebody I know did something like that, I would definitely want to get their permission before I talked about it. But you do talk about that you were a teenage father. I mean, that's fundamental to mm -hmm. you, but of course it also involves adding your daughter. What's the navigation around that? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, I think that f because I went through my 20s as a pretty narcissistic person, I think I always thought of that as my story exclusively. Like, oh, I had a kid when I was 17. Isn't that crazy? I work in public radio. That's unlikely. Mm -hmm. Me and Susan Stanberg, only teen parents in public radio. By the way, she is your part. That's the, who, who the mom is, right? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. And that yeah. is, I, those are actually some legal framework for me not talking about her on this show, <laughs> and I will try to observe that. But um, no, I think I used to think of like the story of being a teen dad and the story of being a dad as just my story. But what I've realized now that my daughter is 20 and in college and we talk like adults talk, and I'm also maybe 1% less self-centered is, oh, that's also her story. So I try to, even when I talk about that and talk about her childhood, I'm trying to be better about not just 
assuming that it's fine for me to say any old thing, but to kind of think, well, how does this feel to her? How does she sort of take this? And um, and so that's a thing I'm trying to factor in. And Andrew could cut this out, but how's the boat? <laughs> well, it's boats, <laughs> which um, is a whole other story. <laughs> does Andrew uh, need to cut that out? <laughs> No, no, no. It, I did buy a boat without telling my wife, and then I waited until we were in a fight to tell her because I figured I was already kind of in trouble. Oh, that's interesting. I think a lot of people might have said, you know, do it uh, on the heels of giving her jewelry, but you went the other way. Tell me how that worked out. Um, you should ask her, I guess. I mean, she hasn't set foot on it yet. What happened was I got this super-duper-duper good deal on a boat that I had been eyeing for a long time, and so I kind of pulled the trigger on it, and then I couldn't find the right time to break it to her. And then we were in a, a fairly um, a fairly intense disagreement about something. And I figured, well, this is as good a time as any. Like, I'll just take the hit on this. So the whole point why I raised it is A, to embarrass you, <laughs> B, to yeah. talk about honesty, but C, to point out, hey, this podcast thing seems to be working out for you a little bit. You're buying boats. The boat's already been alive for 60 years. It's a 1958 Chris Craft. Yeah. So... It's a really cool-looking boat that is constantly already trying to sink. The boat could lecture you on the way things used to be. <laughs> That's right. The boat could talk about how back in your day everyone used to tackle with their arms. Not these bullshit Don't get the tackles. boat talking about race, though, because <laughs> you love the boat, but you just like they, the boat came up in a different era, yeah, and it's going to say yeah. stuff that you're going to try to decide, do I correct the record or do I just let it go? Boat, it's just, the whole we thing call is them weird. Asians today, boat. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Of the challenges, how to do a great show, how to monetize the show, how to stay uh, focused. If I were you, you know, and I, in many ways, I have a similar thing. Uh, the biggest thing would be driving people to you. I mean, you have a great community. Your fans who you call the tens love you. It's just getting new listeners. That would be, for me, the thing that's most troubling or frustrating. And it is, to some extent, what drives people to you. I try to answer this by saying I don't know quality and hoping it works out. But what's your answer? Well, appearing on the gist. Yeah, the gist. Is, that's is, uh, that's currently our that's currently our marketing plan. You think <laughs> I'm joking? You know what? I go like I am. I am more like this guy who's just been doing this weird thing for now going on. I don't know seven years, and I used to spend so much time trying to think about what the platform was and if I could get on other podcasts or shows, or if I could just book bigger guests, or what I could do to monetize this and. At this point, I'm just like, we have our 10 or 15,000 people who like the show. They listen every day. They support us when we do our, our fundraiser every year. We have our couple of advertisers. And th that's sufficient for me, which sounds like giving up, but it's really not. It's that I just couldn't. The problem for me was that I was full of so many complicated emotions when I was trying to compete with every other podcast. And I'll give you a perfect example. Mark Maron's podcast, WTF, which mm -hmm. is always kind of in the top of all the podcasts and is an amazingly great show. I remember when he got in touch with Jesse Thorne, another podcaster, and me, and was like, hey, how do I do this podcast thing? And I remember him being on my show and me being on his show in the early days, and he was excited because he was getting free coffee beans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not even kidding. He was yeah. like, yeah, I'm getting – they're paying me with this coffee. It's great. And I was – had been doing the podcast for my house for some period of time longer than him, so I was kind of trying to give him tips. And then, you know, it's like – of course, that show takes off, and the, the list is long of, of shows of people I've known who've started podcasts that have become – way more successful than mine, including the gist, by the way, mm -hmm. that I just, I was either going to become totally bitter or I was going to just say, TBTL is what it is. 
And if, you know, if people find out about it and they like it, that's awesome. If they, if they don't like it, I understand why. And I'm going to just kind of keep hanging out here and making this little show until I get, you know, tired of making it. And that hasn't happened yet. Luke Burbank is the host of Too Beautiful to Live. Luke, thanks so much. Thank you, Mike, and congratulations on The Gist, man. It is appointment listening for me each and every day. For many of us, shaving is a pain. That is literally true. Nicks, cuts, scrapes, and razor burn. And then we are made to be prostrate in the face of our tormentors. Yes, they charge us so much for these razors, which do to our face what the administration is doing to the American people. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think that our sponsor would appreciate the political inserted into the ad about their wonderful razors. Harry's is a great product. It started by two guys who wanted a better razor, and they didn't want you to have to pay a lot to get a better razor. They make their own blades. They bought a factory in Germany, and it's so much cheaper, and they're really easy to get because they'll ship it to you. Here's the amazing deal. For $15, you get a razor, moisturizing, shaving cream, and three razor blades. So that would be 32 bucks for an eight-pack of blades. No, why not pay less than half of that? for this Harry's great deal, and we'll give you $5 off if you use our promo code. So go to harrys.com now. You get $5 off if you type in the promo code, the gist, on your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and enter the coupon code, the gist, at checkout for $5 off, and start shaving better today. And now the spiel, other proficient producers. So this is OPP, Other People Podcast Week, Other People's Podcast Week, and I have some other people with me. You know, the number two podcast that Slate named is the second best episode ever. We talked to Mark Marin for the uh, first best episode ever of WTF. The second best episode ever was an episode of Planet Money, actually the show that will become Planet Money. It was called The Giant Pool of Money. It aired on This American Life. Alex Bloomberg, who we also talked to, Adam Davidson, who we always talk to, they were the guys behind it. And from that came Planet Money. And I'm here now. The other people I'm here with is pretty much the entire staff of Planet Money, save for one or two voices. Hello, everyone. Woohoo! Hey. Hey, That's great radio. So uh, we're going to go around. And what I'd like is for you to tell me what non-NPR public radio podcast you're going to recommend. Pick any one that you listen to. And Jacob Goldstein, you go first. And tell me why. I'm going to recommend the Long Form Podcast. This is a podcast uh, where a few guys interview basically magazine journalists. And it's it's pretty inside baseball. So if you are interested in magazine stories, how they get put together, how people who make a living writing magazine stories get to make a living writing magazine stories, it's an interesting podcast. Best episode that you can recommend or a good episode, a good starting point episode? Here's my recommendation for listening to the long form. Yeah. Look at the feed, find a writer who you're interested in, and listen to them. I mean, that's like the personal tip. And if you're not interested in any writers by name, you probably won't be interested in the long form podcast. Then you're a heathen. You don't know who the writers are. No, no. Like, Inside Baseball is only yeah. interesting if you're that's interested right. in Inside Baseball. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Jess Jang, producer for Planet Money, what's your recommendation? My recommendation is actually a video podcast. It's called The Chris Gethard Show. And it's a live show with all of these weird characters, basically UCB comedians who come in and just host every week. A couple of recommendations from the feed, I would say. One was this Love Connection episode where people called in from all across the country and basically explained 
or made a pitch for why you should date them. And people were connecting from all different cities, and they actually set people up afterwards. Like, people exchanged email addresses. And I think that's the power of the show, because it actually, people are so into it, they're willing to give out their email address to some random stranger who just happens to also like the show. Uh, Chris Gethard passed just guessed this video only, but you just listened to it. Yes. And it I works, listened. it works well. Audio only is totally cool. Thank you, Jess. And now Adam Davidson, co-founder of Planet Money. What's your recommendation for a podcast we maybe haven't heard of? A podcast that has really meant a lot to me is called Creating a Family. Uh, it's hosted by a woman named Dawn Davenport in North Carolina. And it's for people struggling with fertility issues. And that's something that my wife and I struggled with. And it took us many, many years to have our son, Ash. And um, Don Davenport's podcast, Creating a Family, is just fabulous. It really, uh, each week, she alternates each week. So one week, it'll be about fertility, like IVF, actual medical treatment. And every other week, it's about adoption. It, it's a very different podcast from like Planet Money or This American Life or The Gist. It's not highly produced. It's just Don on the phone with usually two or three experts, but it's fabulous. And the archive is all available. There's lots of great stuff there. I just love that podcast. It's obviously for a specific audience. But that's a great thing about podcasting. Like you really, if there's a niche audience and you know that there aren't more than a couple thousand, a few thousand people who could possibly listen, but man, do they love it. Yeah, exactly. Bowie, 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 Bowie. What's going on, Pesca? What's your, <laughs> Bowie's like the internet wizard for Planet Money. What's your recommendation, Bowie? Well, my recommendation is an art podcast. It's called Bad at Sports. Mm -hmm. And it's run by this artist slash lawyer dude from Chicago. They take a really interesting kind of fun take on art and arty things. I don't like want to recommend like a specific kind of episode because you, you might not actually know much about art. So just come out, come to it, take a listen, and... Uh, you know, find out about an artist you probably never heard of. Cool. Let it wash over you. Thank you, Bowie. So, Caitlin Kenny, you are something like the senior supervising producer, supervising senior producer. There's some of those words in your yeah, title. Yeah, some Planet of those Money. words. What's your recommendation? So, I've been listening to this podcast, Reading Aloud, by Nate Codry. 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 Yeah. And it's really great because I just had a baby a little while ago, so I read to her every night, even though she half the time doesn't listen and tries to wriggle away. But you realize how nice it is to have someone read to you. So it's basically what they do on the show. Some of the pieces are funny. Some of the pieces are serious. I guess it's a show he does at the UCB, and they turned it into a podcast, but I've really been loving it. What kind of material? Is it stuff that's out there, stuff that the writer will have read? It's, mean... a, it's a little bit of a mix of everything. They did a really powerful thing at the end of their first episode where they read these letters that were posted on another website. I can't remember the name, but it was letters that this guy had written to his group of his friends after his son had passed away. Mm. And he just talked about really, he really was able to express the emotion to them because these are like his buddies who he's known for years. And he was basically like, listen, I haven't talked to anyone about this, but like, here's how I'm feeling right now. And, and it was just really powerful. And that's on the Earwolf Network. That's right. Friends of ours, Zoe Chase, reporter for NPR. Hey, Zoe. Hello. What, what's, what's a good podcast you listen to? Okay. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. The Read is a really good podcast. It's Kid Fury and Crystal. And they're, they're basically two unambivalent, unbalanced fans of Beyonce. That is what they are. 
They stand for Beyonce and Blue Ivy. And every time Beyonce and Blue Ivy and Jay do anything, like they will let me know what has happened. We will talk about it. The best episode of The Read was when Beyonce dropped her surprise album. Of course. It was like, I feel this way about Beyonce, but I don't get to talk about it. But they do. And so I feel that they speak for me. And um, they do celebrity gossip. They diss all the celebrities um, except for Beyonce in their gossip. Then they take letters from listeners. They give like, terrible advice to the listeners and make fun of their like sexual problems. And then at the end, they do something like a spiel, but it's called The Read. Now, when Beyonce's album dropped, was your reaction, oh, I got to listen to it? and Or was it, oh, I got to listen to a couple songs, but I got to listen to The Read podcast right away, too? Yeah, it was basically like, I need somebody who is going to feel what I'm feeling mm-hmm. and articulate yeah. how I'm feeling because I can't find the words to, to speak to it, although I, I am a reporter by trade. I didn't know that this was a problem in society, that there was a lack of positive things being said about Beyonce. I didn't know that that was a niche, uh, that into this maw came Kid <laughs> Fury and his friend Atticus. What's his friend? <laughs> Crystal. A Crystal, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a very safe place for fans of Beyonce. Is this an aspect of the reader? Is, is the read only about Beyonce? No, this is an aspect of the read. But basically what it is is like they talk smack about the Kardashians, Drake, like everybody. They basically introduce sort of celebrity news by saying celebrities are idiots. The only exception to that is the activities of Beyonce, uh, her mom, Solange, Solange's new husband, uh, Beyonce's nephew. Um, what about Jay? People. Do they have a weird relationship with Jay? No, they they love Jay. Okay. Everybody loves Jay. But it's kind of like you get a little bit the feeling that they love Jay because he loves Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Jay, I, I, wait, I can I ask a good question? Yeah, go. Did they talk about the elevator? Oh, yeah. What did they They say? talked about the elevator, but they were like, I mean, they did talk about the elevator. They talked about how fans of Beyonce who didn't just fully 100% stand behind her had like put too much pressure on this couple. And so there was an explosion in the elevator. And if you're going to like have some kind of problem with Beyonce and talk about it like out in the world, then you need to expect like this kind of pressure on this couple. Yeah. And it's your fault. It's not their fault. Then they got excited about the Beyonce remix where she addressed the elevator situation by saying, saying, you know, things are going to go down when there's a billion dollars on an elevator. And I think that pretty much does sum up the elevator incident. It pretty much sounds like uh, the way a lot of theologians would talk about Isaac and Abraham, you know, the mm-hmm. covenant of as a very problematic part of the Old Testament. But, yeah. But it needs to be grappled with. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like we we read these stories, you know, we draw meaning from them. And um, one of the, the meanings that we draw is that some people are very close to perfect and there are cracks in that perfection. Yeah. And that, like a flaw in the diamond, only uh, makes it more beautiful. This is why we need podcasts. Thank you, <laughs> staff of Planet Money. Hey, thank you. Thank oh, we you. forgot to say, we're also huge fans of The Gist. All right. We all listen to The Gist. Yeah, we do. Good stuff. It's our favorite. Cause sometimes shit go down when it's a billion dollars on the elevator. <laughs> goddamn, goddamn. And that's it for today's show. Just producer Andrea Salenzi's last project was scuttled when a militant faction of the dating website Zook objected to her describing Zook as kind of like a 2014 Friendster. Joel Meyer is only the managing producer of Slate Podcasts because he was pre-fired from his job with Nick Jr. when an irate cadre of mommy bloggers objected to his characterization of the Wonder Pets as, quote, piffle. Andy Bowers, executive producer of Slate Podcasts, would right now be a member of Menudo, but for a rumor going around Spanish-language media, that he once ran screaming through LAX yelling, No mas, menudo! 
until subdued by TSA agents. You can subscribe on iTunes and give us a listen on Stitcher. You can get our daily email at slate.com slash just email. If you download the app Yo and sign up for podcast, we'll tell you when this podcast is ready. We are on facebook.com slash slategist. There I've started a contest to get your nominations for Gentlemen of the Year. More details to come. Email us at thegist at slate.com. The Gist was supposed to not be a podcast at all, but a remake of The King and I. Unfortunately, loyalists to the Siamese house of Bunag got wind of the project, swapped out the music with recordings of mating calls of the gray-breasted partridge, making the music parts unusable to all but the most ardent ornithologists. What you hear now is merely the book of that attempted musical, because we will not cower in the face of radical Siamese bird substitution. Thanks for listening. No wrapping required. Give the gift of Slate Plus to another Slate fan in your life, and they'll receive all the benefits of membership. Bonus podcast segments, single-page articles, behind-the-scenes content, audio versions of your favorite articles, and so much more. Give Slate Plus today. Visit slate.com slash give plus.